Hey guys, welcome to episode 164 of SwiftCast. This is Ashley. Adam. And Steph. And the news has just been buzzing nonstop about Taylor, hasn't it? It really has. She's trending without even trying everywhere. Pretty impressive considering that this is the longest period of time where she's done pretty much nothing. Yeah, some days it's frustrating. I don't want to see her name in the news. If it's not magazines claiming a ring for Taylor, then it's something else. I was at the store earlier today, and you know, in the checkout lines, they have the tabloid magazines, and there were two, you know, with pictures of her face really big on them and with huge headlines, and one of them said, it's war, and it was talking about her and Kim, and the other one just simply said, liar, in huge letters. (laughs) That's not dramatic at all. That's great journalism. Very accurate. I saw the liar one and I was so offended. I was so mad. I mean, that's pretty extreme for even a tabloid. Wasn't it Us Weekly that has the liar one? Uh, I'm not sure, actually. Well, they were the ones that definitely that had the headline that said a ring for Taylor last week. And like, you were saying this like it's a definitive fact. Right. And I always thought among the tabloids, Us Weekly was more reliable than some. I always did, too. I always viewed Us Weekly and people with a little more respect. It seems like, just as I know you guys were mentioning last week, other celebrities like to sort of use Taylor's name to gain relevance, that the magazines are so excited anytime there's anything about her that they can use to sell issues, even if they're going off of literally nothing yeah i agree especially when you talk about what you just said a ring for taylor last week they have this great cheery positive headline and then this week it's just liar yeah it really is like clickbait on the internet you know articles that are written and have specific headlines just so that people click on them and read them it's the same thing with these magazines they just want people to read them and i would bet that if you looked at an analysis somehow of the number of copies sold. Anytime Taylor is the main story, it sells exponentially more copies than a lot of other stars. I would agree. But obviously we know that she did not get a ring, and I didn't buy their issue, so I really wonder what that story was based off of. I can't even think of how they would have tried to spin that. I don't know either. I'm sure it would say, inside sources tell us that Tom is going to buy Taylor a ring. Yeah, the unnamed sources that seem to know everything. Probably the same sources that thought that she was going to get married to Calvin in a Scottish castle. (laughs) Well, we'll get into this a little bit more later, but Adam, do you want to tell us about the show you just saw? Sure. Uh, As you guys know, we like to talk about other artists sometime. A couple episodes ago, Ashley gave us a couple of reviews of a couple shows she went to, including Selena Gomez. And this past weekend, I had the chance to go see Coldplay in Chicago. And the last time I had been to Soldier Field was when I saw Taylor last year. So it was good to be back there. But boy, was it a different experience this time around. That's for sure. Yeah, there were a lot of crazy storms going on. Exactly. So I got there at about... 6.30, and the openers were supposed to start at 7 o'clock, and the openers were 
Foxes, who I believe is a British artist, and then Alessia Cara, who you guys might be familiar with. She's becoming very, very popular lately, and we were even fortunate enough to see her as Taylor's special guest in Tampa on the last night of the U.S. part of the 1989 World Tour. You probably know her song called Here. But anyway, they were the two openers. However, they had to be completely canceled due to the storms. Uh, it was some of the worst weather I have ever been in. It was lightning every five seconds. There was, I would say, 50 to 60 mile per hour winds. It was honestly the strongest wind that I've ever felt. Um, and torrential downpours. All the stadium was like flooding down the stairs and into the concourse. And it was just the craziest experience. Wow. So did you go underneath the stadium? So you had some shelter or were you just on the bleachers? No. So they made everybody evacuate, not out of the stadium, but out of the seating area and the floor area. So everybody went into the concourse, which yes, was protected, but there was still, you know, water coming in and the wind was howling through the tunnels and it went on for probably 45 minutes to an hour. And then it did stop and they were able to set up and fix everything that had been, had been blown around on the floor and all the, the workers, you know, set up the stage. Of course, they have a ton of lights and props and everything, just like uh, a Taylor show would. And they finally got started at nine o'clock when they were supposed to get started. And the show was fantastic. I would say that it is very similar to a Taylor show in the fact that the crowd was incredibly active and participating and into it. It wasn't one of those shows where people are just sitting and they're not bored, but they don't have much emotion or they're not singing along or dancing a little bit. So in that sense, it was very much like a Taylor show. And I was so happy. I would call myself a casual fan of Coldplay. I'm not like a super fan. So I know a lot of their songs and the ones I was really glad I got to see were Yellow, Every Teardrop is a Waterfall, The Scientist, Clocks, Fix You, Viva La Vida. But yeah, it was a great set list. And Taylor's been a fan of them. She's talked about them for years. Yeah, I don't remember exactly. Do you know, has she tweeted about them or talked about them in interviews or? She had a tweet that I know we did on an older tweet segment once where she was like, the only thing that hasn't changed in my life is my love for, and she named a number of artists. Do you remember that stuff? I think it was Ingrid Michaelson. Right. I think Ingrid, Paramore, and Coldplay. Okay, cool. And I also remember that Taylor actually met and hung out with Chris Martin and Gwyneth Paltrow way back in 2009, 2010, and they introduced her to Jake Gyllenhaal. Really? I don't think I knew that. That's how they met? Her and Jake? Yeah, that's my understanding. Huh. I also remember her tweeting when Every Teardrop is a Waterfall first came out and me buying that song based on her recommendation. Some things never change. Because she still does that for us. So, uh, Ashley and Steph, you guys might remember, I don't know if any of the listeners would, but this was probably over a year ago, back in early 2015. I believe it was on an episode of SwiftCast that we were talking about what we would want to see in the 1989 show before 
we even knew the set list or anything like that. And I think I remember that I said, I would like to see a show sometime in the rain. Do you remember that? Yeah, and you've actually said that in a, the past couple weeks, too. Yeah, and so I have not had the chance to do that with the Taylor show, but now I can say that I did with Coldplay, because at about... 10:15 or so so about an hour and 15 into the concert uh, it started raining and it was pretty light at first but then it got significantly heavier and at about 10:30, after chris martin finished one of the songs he goes hang on a minute everybody i gotta talk to the officials here at the stadium because there was some lightning out in the area as well and it was raining pretty hard and so he talks with the officials for a couple seconds, and then he goes, well, unfortunately, we're going to have to evacuate the stadium again, but hopefully we can come back in an hour or so if it gets better. And everybody was chanting, one more song, one more song. And so he talks to the official again, and then he comes back and he's like, all right, we're doing one more song, let's go. <laughs> and so the final song they played was A Sky Full of Stars, and at that point, the skies opened up and it was a torrential downpour and it was the coolest concert experience I have ever had. That song just probably made it start pouring like that. Absolutely. And during the chorus of that song, everybody's just jumping up and down, going crazy. And their show actually has the same wristbands that light up uh, that Taylor did or a similar version of them. And the light bands were going crazy and everybody was jumping and dancing in the pouring rain and the entire crowd got absolutely drenched but nobody cared it was so cool that's awesome yeah so unfortunately the normal set list is about 25 or 26 songs uh we got about 18 or 19 so we didn't see the full show but it was still quite the experience to be at it sounds like just based on other shows going on that that might be one of the hottest summer tours I think so, yeah. It's a really long tour, I believe. I know they started at the end of March in South America, and so they had a South America leg of the tour, they had a European leg of the tour, now they're in the United States, and then they are going to go to Australia and New Zealand coming up later this year as well. Well, I would definitely love to catch one of their shows. Yes, highly recommended. I may have to try to check that out, because Coldplay is one of those solid bands, and they never do anything wrong, but I just never think about going to a show for whatever reason. Yep, and now I know from first-hand experience that they are the type of band that definitely is an entertaining show, not just a singing show. Of course, they have lasers and fireworks and pyrotechnics and everything. It's, it's really a spectacle. Well, now we have a whole bunch of older tweets. July is always, it seems like a time when Taylor is very active on Twitter. And our first one comes from July 18th of 2009. Taylor wrote, Wrapped in a giant fan-made quilt, reading sparkly cards and signs. You know me too well, Ohio. I am enthralled with the glitter. And that was during the Fearless Tour. And during the Fearless Tour, Taylor was on a bus touring the country. So then on July 19th, she tweeted, Bus sleeping only works half the time. And then I have nightmares that there are cameras in here. And I talk to myself loudly, apparently. And this actually makes me feel bad because I know that maybe it was the Rolling Stone article or some interview before 1989 was released. 
had a feature on Taylor and Taylor mentioned that she has dreams where people are taking her photo and she, I think, smiles in her sleep sometimes. Do you remember that? I do. And she also, I don't know if it's the same article or not, but she has like a paranoia of cameras or audio recording her when she's in like a a room somewhere. Right. Which was a valid fear, as we know. I remember her saying something like about how she knows that it would be worth so much money for someone to get a shot of her in her underwear or something like that. So she's always extra paranoid. Right. That's terrible. I wish she didn't have to live like that. Well, at least she doesn't have to sleep on a bus anymore. That's true. She only had to do that for one headlining tour. And so a couple days after that, July 21st, 2009, she said, hanging with my producer Nathan, discussing the next adventure, album number three. Wow, so that was really at the beginning stages of album three. Yeah, because we didn't get an official announcement of that till the following summer around July of 2010. So she really gave us an advanced heads up. I think probably because she was getting so popular so quickly and she just knew that the public was very, very demanding, almost, of more music from her. She was rising so quickly. I think that's true. And she, I'm sure, wanted to stick with her usual two-year schedule. But she was still new, so she wanted to satisfy people by at least giving a hint that there would be new music. And the next tweet is about that new music. It's from the following year, July 20th, 2010. Taylor wrote Antique Shopping with Grant Mickelson before the web chat today. So that had to have been the web chat announcing Speak Now, right? Right. Which was so different when you think about the last couple of album announcements. For that one, it was literally just her and a computer in a room. Yeah, and then it got progressively bigger. Red was a a get-together with fans in her Nashville home, and then 1989 was even a bigger get-together with fans in New York in a TV studio, kind of. Maybe her next one will be in an entire stadium full of fans. (laughs) That would be great. Ooh, this just made me think of something when you said that. What if at the concert in October, she announces the album? I definitely think that's a possibility. That'd be cool. Well, our next one is from July 19th of 2011. Taylor tweeted, Newark, what a crazy, off-the-hook, bouncy, loud, dancey crowd. I love you, Jersey crowds. Night one of four. I actually went to, not that night, but a different night. But it was... That was a good venue because it was just an arena, and so it felt more intimate. But she doesn't go there anymore. Now she does MetLife. Was it the Prudential Center or Barclays or? The Prudential Center. Okay. Then two years later, July 20th, 2013, during the Red Tour, she said, For everyone here tonight in Philly, we're dressed and ready to take the stage as soon as the rain stops. See you soon. Wow, and that was a rain show in Philly. I don't think it was as bad as the experience Adam had at Coldplay, but I do remember that happening. It's definitely always taking a risk when artists schedule outdoor shows. Absolutely. The next tweet comes from July 19th, 2014. Finding Wings in New York City. I always love that picture. And we got to visit those wings when we were in New York. Yes, they were so great. Just so well done. And sadly, they're no longer there, but 
the same artist now has wings in Nashville that you can go take a picture with. So if anyone's lives there or is visiting there, you should definitely go check them out. I don't know exactly where they are, but I'm guessing they have to be around downtown somewhere. Yeah, I think I've seen photos of the ones in Nashville, and they look just as great as the ones that were in New York. Well, our next one is from July 20th of 2015, and Taylor tweeted, A huge thank you to Sam Hunt for surprising the crowd with Take Your Time. Such a star. Hashtag 1989 Tour Chicago. How has it been a year? Yep, you and me were both there. It was awesome. Well, that's all we've got for the older tweets. And now we're going to move into just a couple pieces of news. And the first one is really awesome. It was announced this week that even though she only had 12 concerts during the time period of this, Taylor came in at number nine for highest grossing tours of the year. Yeah, that was pretty neat. I think the time period ran from November of 2015 through June of 2016. And we know the 1989 World Tour was done in December of 2015. So really, this is only just based on those massive Australia shows that she had. That and the Asia shows in November. Yeah. So very few shows. Well, Taylor had not been seen for a long time, really, by paparazzi or anybody. But she did return from Australia, and for the first time in a while, she has been spotted out and about, and she was out with Tom in Los Angeles. So she is back in L.A. for the time being. Yes, she was then later spotted going to the gym in L.A., and she looked happy. She looked, I guess, normal. And by gym, you mean recording studio, right? That's what I think, too. I'm not sure. (laughs) It's definitely a possibility i think we know that taylor deals with problems in her life by writing music and recording music so i wouldn't be surprised if she were going to the gym quote unquote to record music and i think it kind of shows how she's matured over the years because i remember a couple years ago her tweeting back in the studio uh uh-oh and i can't see her tweeting that now no that's a good point now i think she more likes to just work on things and release them in their own time rather than get people speculating too much. Right. And that uh uh-oh thing was kind of a dig when she tweeted that. I like that she keeps things on the down low now. But a year from now when we might be looking at behind-the-scenes footage of the making of the next album, we'll have to look at what she's wearing and trace it back to this very episode. Yeah. (laughs) And from the past few days, we do have a number of new outfits, so we're going to cover those now in our fashion segment. Our first piece of fashion comes from when Taylor was still in Australia, and she was leaving Jamelli Restaurant with Tom, and this was on July 10th. She was wearing an Aritzia Tallulah Moxon dress in black, white cap, gray, and it is normally $175, but looks to be on sale for fifty nine ninety nine, That's a great deal. Our next items are a little more expensive. It was from when Taylor was visiting the Lady Cliento Children's Hospital in Queensland, Australia on July 12th, 2016. She wore shorts, which are by the brand Frame. They're called the Antibes Stretch Denim Shorts in White. In white. And those are $200. Then she wore sandals by the brand Ray, 
and they were the Adele sandals in washed denim, which are $175. And then on July 14th, when she was out shopping in Australia, she wore a really interesting pair of short cut-off overalls from the brand Cotton On, and those are $25. And I'm going to be very interested to see if those become trendy now, like how she sort of made crop tops popular. Well, she also wore overalls when she was in New York last summer with Ed and Calvin. So few people can pull those off that I feel like they should be left to Taylor. It's possible, but Taylor does set the trend, like you said, with rompers, crop tops. And with those, she had Adidas Stan Smith leather sneakers, which are $129, and her purse was the Jerome Dreyfus Mini Momo crossbody bag in green, which you can get for $232.50. When Taylor was seen out with Tom back in Los Angeles on July 22nd, she was actually wearing those same sneakers that Ashley just mentioned, and she also had a Louis Vuitton cruiser bag monogram PM, which is valued at $2,660. And then later that day, when Taylor was going to the gym, she wore a Victoria's Secret strappy laser cut sports bra which is $49.50 and over that she wore the rain runner full zip jacket which is by nike and that's available on ebay for $94.99 she also wore the victoria's secret knockout legging in midnight jungle and those are $94.50 and then she wore nike sneakers which are called lunar element sneakers in black and pink and those are $79 so that was a very Nike slash Victoria's Secret outfit and that concludes our fashion for the week and if you want to see pictures or links to purchase any of these items please visit tayswiftstyle.com so now for our main discussion I know that Adam, Steph and Ashley touched a lot on the recent drama between Taylor and Kim on last week's episode but we really were just still knowing only bits and pieces of it at the time. So we thought that we would sort of go through it more in detail to break it down for those of you guys who might be just as overwhelmed and confused at all this as we are. Yeah, last week I felt really out of my element. I didn't have all the information I needed and I didn't quite understand what was happening. We recorded right after everything happened. But now that some time has passed, I feel... Like, things are a little more clear, but still not clear, which is, I think, what Kim and Kanye wanted. So, the first thing I wanted to say about this, the more I thought about it, was that Kim says, and there was even a clip from the Kardashians episode where she basically makes it seem like the only reason why she's doing all of this is to try and clear her husband's name because she doesn't want anyone making him look bad. But when you really think about it, she had this recording or clips of a recording or whatever she has since at least February. And she held on to it all of this time. Really, the majority of the drama with it was over since February. And even with the music video, that was almost a month ago. She never said anything during any of that. She only now was releasing it when it coincided with an episode where she was talking about it so that she could try and use it to boost the ratings of their show. Exactly. 
And that's what we said last week, how people just use Taylor's name to stay relevant. But one interesting thing that did come out over the past week is that the ratings did not increase for that particular episode. And in fact, 1989 ended up hitting the charts in over, I think, maybe 30 countries. I can't remember exactly, but it's been getting a lot of attention. We're almost two years out from its release, but I don't think the plan worked that well for Kim. I mean, I feel like if it really was just her wanting to defend her husband, she would have said something when this all first happened, not six months later. Exactly. And the same could be said about the GQ feature she did. It was months after the fact, and she decided to bring everything up again when she was featured on the cover of a magazine. Yeah, the timing does make it seem like it was very much calculated and all planned out ahead of time. And so there's an article from the Thought Catalog that pretty much breaks it down, talking about each individual clip on the Snapchat that Kim posted. And as you go through it, it really becomes very clear that Kim just showed what she wanted to show, and we have no idea how much missing content there really is from this conversation. Well, we think that the entire phone call is upwards of an hour long, correct? Right. I just can't even imagine getting a phone call that you're not expecting from someone talking about something like this. And like Taylor said, she wanted them to have a friendly relationship. She wanted to let him express himself. But an hour? What could he have been saying for an hour? She must have been so caught off guard and uncomfortable. I agree. Especially when... These clips make clear that we don't have all the content. I like the way that this article breaks each snap down. This article is by Mara Savina Faustine on the Thought Catalog. It's really good if you want to read it, but it breaks each clip down one by one. And it really helped me because I just didn't want to follow Kim on Snapchat. So I didn't see everything in order. I just saw what was downloaded on Twitter or what was posted in news articles. But this article puts everything in order and you really can clearly see just how disjointed the whole thing really is. Because if you were not following Kim on Snapchat, then you didn't even see exactly what she posted. You probably just saw little clips of it that were floating around on Twitter, which were even more disjointed than what she posted was. Exactly. I felt very confused last week. And I think even with this article putting everything in order, it still makes no sense. And that's because we don't have the full video. And clearly, if we had the full video, it must not be beneficial to Kim and Kanye or they would have released the full video. So there has to be content that's missing. Right. We don't know when this was cut off and when this question was cut off and when that one wasn't. So, you know, there could have been a snap from minute one of the phone call and then a snap from minute 40 of the phone call. And we don't know what happened in between there, what was said. So even with this article and knowing exactly what was said from each side, it's still a lot of missing pieces. Well, yeah, I think the way this author puts the first one out is really interesting. The first snap has Kanye talking about the line, I feel like me and Taylor might still have sex. But that was the only part of that particular clip. We don't know 
was Taylor on the phone? Taylor doesn't speak at all. Well, in fact, from when I actually watched the Snapchat right before that, because that was at the very beginning, but right before, there are a few seconds where he's asking her if she still has a Nashville area code. Like, he's asking her for her new phone number or something. And then all of a sudden jumps to him saying this line. There's clearly stuff missing. They only started with that to, like, prove, I guess, that it was her on the phone or something. That's a good point. So we don't even know what he said to lead into him reading that line or what impression he really gave her about it. No, we have no idea. And to me, throughout the entire parts of the recording, she sounded very nervous and not like herself. I noticed that she kept saying like a lot, which seems very unlike her. She seemed very caught off guard by the whole conversation. And that's not me trying to defend her. I would say that about anybody. She sounded nervous. She didn't sound like she was speaking confidently or really knew how to handle this call. I agree with you. That was something I noticed was the use of the word like and I mean. Because Taylor's very articulate and she generally doesn't use those kinds of filler words. But throughout these clips, she was using them. And that's something people do when they're nervous or they don't know how to respond to something. And in fact, a lot of fans thought it wasn't even Taylor because it didn't sound like the way she normally talks. At first, that was what fans thought before Taylor released her statement, but it did definitely seem like she was caught off guard. And the next snaps, snaps two and three, just came out of nowhere. Taylor just says, I'm like this close to overexposure. And then Kanye says, Oh, well, this one, I think this is a really cool thing to happen. Which, in my opinion, doesn't really even respond to her statement. It doesn't seem responsive at all. Well, I remember when the whole thing first happened, how Tree said that Kanye called Taylor to ask her to release the song on her Twitter account, and she declined. So I feel like if that's true, then they chose to cut out that part. Yeah, because you really don't know what his response is regarding, because like we said, it's been cut. We don't know what happened in the previous 20 seconds. Well, then there's a cut and Taylor says, I know, I mean, it's like a compliment kind of. And so again, we just, we don't know what's happening. And they put that clip there to imply that she was saying that in response to the lyric, but we really don't know what she was saying that in response to. No, for all we know, she could be responding to his request that she release it on her Twitter account. Yeah, that would be a very big compliment. And they've kept saying she approved this, she approved this. But as the author points out, the closest statement they have to her approving it is saying it's a compliment, kind of. That's not exactly (laughs) approval. Not at all. And then they show Kanye saying, I care about you as a person and a friend. And Taylor says, that's sweet. And then Kanye says, dot, 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 things that make you feel good. I don't want to do rap that makes people feel bad. This doesn't even sound like a back and forth conversation. This sounds like random sound bites being put together. It does. I thought this part was just odd how Kanye is saying he wants things that make you feel good. And also... If you've ever seen Kanye talk anywhere, he goes on these long tirades for like 20 minutes about anything. 
So the fact that they're showing him give these like five word responses is super sketchy to me. Well, yeah, the perfect example is his BMA speech when he said he was going to run for president. And that was such a long speech after Taylor gave a great introduction to him. So then the next snap, Taylor says, um, yeah, I mean, go with whatever line you think is better. It's obviously very tongue in cheek either way. Now, we never hear what the other line that he showed her even was. Or what they were even talking about. Were they talking about the sex line or the famous line? Obviously, there were two alternatives for one of those lines. And as she's mentioned in her statement, he told her that he was going to play the final song for her and he never did. And conveniently, we don't have the video of her requesting that, along with, like Ashley said, the request that she release it on her Twitter. And if he's telling her different options for any of the lines, and if you don't know how the lines are going to be put together in the final song, there really would be no way to approve it because you wouldn't know what the final implication would end up being. Correct. You have no idea what the context is. You don't know if it's going to be in a lighthearted and joking manner or in a serious manner. So, And the author points out that at this point, what is crucial is we still don't know if Taylor actually heard the B word included in any of this stuff. Just when you think about her brand and her image, and she's obviously never relied on taking her clothes off, and other than the occasional swear word, her songs are very clean. I cannot see her being okay with being called that under any circumstance. Not at all. And I can't really see anybody being okay with being called that, honestly. If you were to ask them, who would want to be called that? Well, especially given Taylor's recent feminist stance. Not really recent. I would argue she's always been a feminist. But in 2014, she really started opening up about her perspective on feminist issues and I just don't see how she would allow something like that. It would completely contradict what she was fighting for and talking about over the past several years. Well the next snaps have Taylor saying, and I really appreciate you telling me about it. That's really nice. Kanye says, oh yeah, I felt like I just had a responsibility to you as a friend and um, I mean, thanks for being like so cool about it. And Taylor says, aw thanks. Um, yeah, I really appreciate it. Like, the heads up is so nice. It sounds like something you would say when you're trying to end a conversation, yet there's a dozen more clips after this. <laughs> it's funny you say that, because well, we already mentioned Taylor seems caught off guard, but she also seems uncomfortable, and, like, she really just wants to end the conversation. It reminds me of when somebody you don't really want to talk to calls and ask for something, and you just say, yeah, oh, okay, that sounds fine. I gotta go talk to you later. But the conversation just keeps going on. But Taylor was really nice and did sound really appreciative. So this next clip, the eighth snap, just starts in the middle of a sentence where Taylor's saying things without like even asking or seeing if I'd be okay with it. And I just really appreciate it. I never would have expected you to tell me about a line in your song. So again, she's just trying to be really nice to him and... And the author of this article points out how it just starts in the middle of her sentence and it's so disjointed, it doesn't make any sense. I understand that Snapchat has certain 
time constraints, but if you're so convinced that you have this terrible evidence showing Taylor approved this, then just release the whole thing. The next snap is Kanye saying, again, the end of a sentence, it was pretty crazy. And then Taylor talks about the flowers that he sent her and that she Instagrammed a picture of them and that it's one of the most liked pictures ever on Instagram. She was just being really nice to him. And then the 10th snap made no sense at all to me. It is just Kanye saying, relationships are more important than punchlines, you know. It just, I don't know where it came from. I guess he's saying he cares so much about what Taylor thinks. That's why he did this and doesn't want this song to be a punchline. But again, that could just be what they want us to think. I don't know. He could be talking about anything. And I think the next snap is supposed to be a response to that to support that he was talking about the lyric because Taylor said, yeah, I mean, I don't think anybody would listen to that and be like, oh, that's a real thing. That's a real diss. Like, she must be crying about. So, again, we have no idea what listen to that is. What is she talking about? Is she referring to the famous line, the sex line? And all the clips that Kim picked are the least specific things possible. Absolutely. And especially given that he clearly at one point was giving her two alternatives. Maybe she was talking about one that he didn't even use in the song. And then the next couple of snaps, Taylor says, You gotta tell the story the way it happened to you and the way you experienced it. Like, you honestly didn't know who I was before that. It doesn't matter if I sold 7 million of that album before you did that, which is what happened. You didn't know who I was before that. It's fine. Now... What is she saying this in response to? It would seem like she's saying this in response to him talking about a line in regards to him making her famous. But I just don't think that if he said, and then the song's going to say, I made you famous, this would be her response. No, but I do have to say I really actually enjoyed this line where Taylor says, it doesn't matter if I sold 7 million of that album before you did that which is what happened it's just so matter of fact and i love it these responses from taylor make it sound like the tone of the song as it's being described to her is him telling something from his perspective like of what was going through his mind at the time that the 2009 incident happened but it doesn't sound like he's stating something as fact like i made her famous I think that's important, especially because she says that he needs to tell the story the way he experienced it. Because that's what Taylor does as a songwriter, and she respects other songwriters. So why would she walk all over his right as a songwriter to tell it like he experienced it? I think if she had said the opposite and said, you can't do this, then she would be vilified for that as well. Because it would be, well... Taylor's a songwriter. Taylor can write about anything she wants, but she won't let other people write about what they want. So the next clips are a little bit confusing, and I'm not even sure I understand the context, as has been the theme of this whole Snapchat story, really. But Taylor is saying, I might be in debt, but I can make these things happen. Then I have the idea to do it, and I create these things and concepts. And, like, I'm always going to respect you. And I'm really glad that you have the respect to call me and tell me about that as a friend. 
about the song and dot dot dot. It's just like it's a really cool thing to do and like a really good show of friendship. So thank you. And Kanye says, oh, thank you, too. So I don't really even know what to make of that. <laughs> it's missing the entire context. Right. No, I really don't understand. The author says that Taylor is most likely talking about Kanye's rags to riches story. And she has trust in him and respects him. And then the next one is when Taylor said, you know, if people ask me about it, I think it would be great for me to be like, look, he called me and he told me the line before it came out. Like, joke's on you guys. We're fine. And I think it's important to put emphasis on he told me the line before it came out. Because in the finished product, there is more than one line. And he was giving her many alternatives. We don't know what he actually told her. Or what she was talking about when she said, he told me the line. Well, which one? It's all very confusing. The next one relates. It says, Taylor is saying, you guys want to call this a feud. You want to call this throwing shade. But, you know, right after the song comes out, I'm going to be on the Grammy red carpet. And they're going to ask me about it. And I'm going to be like, he called me. Regarding that one and the one before that Steph just read, I get the sense that... The two of them basically had a plan where Kanye would release the song, people might be outraged about a lyric, and then Taylor would be like, jokes on you guys, like that previous snap. And Taylor would say on the Grammy red carpet that he called me and we're all good. But I think where things changed is that the line or lines that made it into the song were not the ones that he told her about. And I think for her to decide to take such a big moment as winning album of the year and making it about that she would have had to have been really deeply affected by it otherwise why would she have mentioned it in such a prominent speech that she knows is going to be the speech is going to live on forever in the like the highlight reels of her career basically definitely i think that she was very much blindsided by what the song actually was like compared to what he had told her or that's the impression that i am that i have now and people were expecting her to say something and do something and fight back and probably tweet some things and expand the feud on social media and she decided that she would rather just address it when she was getting such a big honor in her career because what better way to really show that you created your own career exactly i think i said last week that this all may have happened in January, but when the actual song was released and Taylor heard the whole thing, she had a 180 where she just, like Adam said, was just blindsided and felt like she didn't have all the information. So that was why she decided to do what she did in her Grammy speech. Well, in the 19th Snap video, it's Taylor saying, again, in the middle of the sentence, it says... Awesome that you're so outspoken, and they're just going to be like, yes, she does. It made her famous. You know, it's more provocative to say might still have sex. I'm confused when she says, yeah, she does, what she's referring to. It sounds like she's referring to something else entirely that we didn't hear him say. Right. But what does she mean? They're just going to be like, yeah, she does. It made her famous. So I don't know. I I really don't understand what she was responding to there. But the final snap, Taylor, again, is in the middle of sentence, and she says, it's not, 
it's not, it doesn't matter to me. There's not one that hurts my feelings and one that doesn't. And that's the last snap where it's clear Kanye presented Taylor with two alternatives and she pretty much said, you decide. So we have no idea. It's just all so convoluted. There's no other way to describe it. And I also want to point out, nowhere in this conversation do we hear him say, oh, and then by the way, after the song comes out, I'm going to make a video where I put a wax replica of your naked body in bed with criminals. Right. And you're going to be right beside me. That's important. And I just think the whole video needs to be released for me to really understand what was happening. And even if it paints Taylor in a terrible light and we hear the whole video, fine. But I would like to just see the whole thing because it doesn't make any sense. And I think it would not paint Taylor in a terrible light because if it did, they would have just released the whole thing. Yeah, I definitely agree. When we recorded last week after it had just come out and, you know, everybody had seen all the snaps, the way that Kim constructed the snaps did paint Taylor in a bad light. But then when you go and look through in more detail, kind of like we did, and look at the transcript of it and the order of it, it is really so confusing and does not give any type of context to the whole discussion that went on. So this is still all over the news, which is frustrating. I don't know that people will look that in depth at it to realize what a mess it is. I think some people just take the bad lines and think, oh, wow, Taylor is a liar. And that's why tabloids print these magazines with headlines like that, liar. I just think in the celebrity world, people, well, with everything really these days, people just read headlines and they don't bother to investigate further because there's so much news all the time and so much going on right at your fingertips. There's no need to. So that's the unfortunate part because I think it's clear if you did look in depth at the snaps, it would be obvious that this doesn't make any sense at all. Well, I hope that we did a good job breaking it down for you guys and that you have a better understanding of what happened. And I think at the end of the day, we all just have to remember that Taylor's only human and everyone makes mistakes. And even among other celebrities, it seems like she is the one that has the highest degree of the public just waiting and hoping for her to mess up more than anyone else. That's so true. People have been waiting for 10 years for Taylor to have a misstep like this. And I don't even know if it's fair to call it a misstep because we don't know the context of the full conversation. I mean, anyone could record a phone call with anyone and just take clips of it and make them sound terrible. Absolutely. And so if there are any other developments, we will be updating you guys on next week's episode. But just a few reminders... Before we go, please press the subscribe button on iTunes, and that will download the latest episodes for you automatically every week. You can leave us a review and a five-star rating on iTunes also. We really appreciate that. It helps other fans find our podcast. And you can always contact us with your thoughts on anything throughout the week. We're on Twitter at SwiftCast13. We're on Tumblr at SwiftCast13. We're at Instagram.com slash TheSwiftCast13. We're at facebook.com slash theswiftcast. You can email us at theswiftcast13 at gmail.com. And all of those are summarized on our website, which is swiftcast13.com. 
So do you guys have any predictions for what Taylor might do this week? It seems like a hard time to predict. It really is. I don't know if any of our predictions have been right lately since Taylor's been so quiet. But I'll go with a simple one and say that she will be seen going to the gym or leaving the gym with one of her friends. Maybe I'll predict either Carly or Gigi. That's a good one. I think she's probably going to stay in LA. And that's really the only thing I have. I don't really know. I think she'll continue to try to stay low a little bit. I think we might see her back in New York at her new apartment she just recently rented because she might be wanting to decorate it and get settled in more. That's true. She hasn't been there for a while. And since it's very hot out, she probably could take advantage of her indoor pool in that apartment. (laughs) That's true. It looks like a nice indoor pool. Well, as always, we'll keep you guys updated on next week's episode. And for now, this has been Ashley. Adam. And Steph. And we'll see you next week. Thanks, guys. See ya. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of SwiftCast. Visit us on the web at theswiftcast.com. SwiftCast is not directly affiliated with Taylor Swift, Big Machine Label Group, or 13 Management.